Welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Here is your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof, a nationally recognized health educator, author of the award-winning book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty, and creator of the Talk Puberty app. And welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lori Reichel, called the Puberty Prof. Today's episode is episode number 53, in which I'm going to go over the basic changes that occur during puberty. This episode is somewhat similar to episode number three, in which I spoke with Jen All, and we talked about the basic changes that I'll be talking about today. So overall, this episode is going to provide a brief overview of what young people typically experience during puberty and adolescence. And those changes that typically occur are going to be physical ones like the body growth, body odor, hair growth, pimples, and other things children are curious about. And then there's also the emotional, mental, social, and spiritual changes. This episode, though, is going to focus more on the physical changes that most children experience. Some reminders for you as you're listening. This podcast overall is to help you, our listeners, which includes parents, guardians, other caregivers, including teachers, is to help you remember what puberty and adolescence was like and therefore to empower you to talk with young people about the changes they'll experience. So as you're listening in, consider noting specific things you want to talk with children about. Also consider using the Talk Puberty app. An educator told me that she actually uses it in the classroom as a guide for talking with her students because the basics are overall referred to in the app and you can use the, the app at your own speed. Also, a reminder for you, you can use the open-ended questions on that app. Again, that's the Talk Puberty app. The open-ended questions are great for family meals and car rides, and they're open-ended, which means that there are no wrong answers. Everybody is free to share their answers to the provided questions. And the app is based on the book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty, that I had written, and that's the one that won the Mom's Choice Award. And if you want to look in more detail of what children typically ask about puberty, you can check out that book. So let's start going over this whole thing about puberty and adolescence. Puberty usually refers to the physical changes that we experience when we're younger that makes our bodies go from this childlike body to this adult-sized body. Adolescence is typically that time that we go into as we're going through puberty. So we're these kids, you know, we're children, and then we go into this teenage time, which is adolescence. Now, a lot of children ask, why does this puberty stuff happen? Well, like I said, it's to help your body go from a child-like sized body to an adult sized or an adult-like body. And it happens because of hormones that are released in our bodies. It's these glands that one hormone gets released and then the next, and then the next. 
And what's really neat is we're going through these physical changes, but at the same time, we're experiencing these mental, emotional, social, spiritual changes. So we can become more independent and then interdependent social beings in our society. Now, the more common physical changes that most children experience include the basic body growth. So overall, the shape and size of our bodies change. And this body growth can typically begin in those that identify as girls from ages 8 to 14, and in those that identify as boys from 9 to 15, typically. That means the people that have more estrogen and progesterone, the ages are between 8 to 14, and those that have more testosterone, puberty usually begins between 9 and 15 years of age. Now, we all have all of the different types of hormones. It's just that if you have the female parts, what we typically call female parts, we usually start going through puberty earlier than those that have those male parts like the penis. If puberty happens after these ages, let's say 15-ish on up, that would be called delayed puberty in which what we recommend for parents and other caregivers to do is to go talk to your medical professional and just make sure that things are on track. And this is a person that's going through puberty later, but if it is a delayed puberty, you can look into perhaps why there's a delay. And it can be a very simple cause that's going on, which can be easily resolved. Again, your medical professional will be able to help you there. This basic body growth includes young people getting taller and wider, in which typically those that identify as girls, the biological girls, usually start that, they start going through that growth before most boys. And something that we have to remind young people about is that we can't control it. It's your body. And you're going to go through these changes as your body wants to go through them. So I usually talk to young people and compare their their changes to when we pop popcorn. If you think of when you start popping popcorn, whether it be on the stove or in a safe fire, uh, in the microwave, you'll first hear no noise except for whatever is being used to pop the popcorn. And then you start hearing a kernel pop and then another kernel pop and then a whole bunch and then a lot, a lot, a lot of kernels pop. and then it lessens. So it's like a bell-shaped curve in which how popcorn pops. And that's the same thing with young people as they go through puberty. You'll have some children that start a little earlier and then a whole bunch continue as they age. And then a whole bunch during the same time. And then some a little after, and then a few a little after that. So it's a bell-shaped curve. And something we don't often think about with young people is that when they're going through these hormonal changes, they feel awkward. They feel as if their bodies gain weight in which they feel, if I use the term fat, and that's typical. And that's because the hormones, and typically we do gain some extra skin, like around our midsection before we get taller. As I've used to explain to kids, it's that your body's trying to store parts of your body, like the skin area before it can actually stretch out in a way, in a way. So other physical changes that happen is that most girls will get curvier and that's because of the breast development and the hips, the hips getting wider. Most boys get broader shoulders. 
Another thing that happens is our genitals mature. So they need to go through this growth or this maturation. So if one day a person chooses to, and their bodies are able to, they can actually have a baby, like release an egg or release sperm. And their genitals need to mature for these things or as these things are going on. And as I said, some children do feel heavier. Uh, There was an episode of the podcast that talked about body image and body, yeah, body image. And well, I'm sure we're going to have another future episode of the Puberty Prof podcast going over that again, because this is such a common thing that children are concerned about. Even as adults, we get concerned about how our body changes. Now, for all of these physical changes, if a child or yourself is ever concerned about what's going on, please talk to a medical professional. These are the people that are going to help guide your child as well as you to what's best for your child. And sometimes it's as simple as coping skills, coping skills of learning to accept their bodies, getting different clothing as we grow up, exercising as a way of feeling different because of our bodies. Now, another change that most children experience is body odor. Certainly at any point in our life, we can stink. Certainly after working out, going for a long hike or something. But during puberty, what happens is that we have an increase in sweat and then bacteria creates the smell of this body odor. Just ask any fifth grade teacher that goes into their classroom after the students have been in physical education class or having outdoor rec. Odds are, especially in the spring or when it's a little bit warmer out, odds are the teacher will say that there is a more unique odor in the classroom. And that's being kind of kind about it, but it's a natural thing that happens to kids. So it's the sweat and bacteria and a common place for the body odor is the armpits and the feet. Now, kids often ask, can people smell my armpits? And if they are smelly and stinky, odds are, yes, people can smell your armpits. And in talking with children, I usually ask them, how do you think we tell our friends that they have smelly armpits? We certainly don't want to turn around and go, you stink, because that can hurt our feelings. It's a great way to tell our friends that our armpits or other body parts are smelling more is to remind them that they're going through puberty and to say, hey, I'm going through puberty too, or I went through puberty and this happened to me. And this is a natural slash normal thing that happens to us. So it's just kind of like when you're talking with someone and you have that spinach in between your teeth, you're hoping that your friend or acquaintance or family member tells you that that spinach is between your teeth. So you're not feeling as embarrassed when you find out you've been talking for a long period of time with that spinach there. Friends and family members can tell us when we have something that is between our teeth, that maybe we left our zipper open, uh, that we smell a little bit. Sometimes if you're wearing makeup, that you smeared it or something. That's what healthy relationships are about, that we can tell each other when something a little different is going on and we can be kind slash loving about it. Now, how do we stop our armpits from smelling? Well, number one is we try to clean regularly, especially as we're going through puberty. It's great to take a shower if you're able to on a daily basis. 
And if it's not part of your ritual or a family cultural thing that you do, attempt to, if you don't have access to a shower or again, it's not supported in your family or culture, get a washcloth, like a little towel, get some soap and and water on it. And you can clean your armpits in that way. You can also clean your feet and your private area too, because we do sweat in all those areas that are covered or kind of like in those creases of our bodies. If you have a bath available, you can also take a bath. Now there are some products that exist out there and they'll be called deodorant or antiperspirant or a combination of both. Deodorant is something that covers up the smell. So it's going to have a scent. Some people will even smell it as you're wearing it. It'll cover up, it'll try to cover up your smells. And antiperspirant prevents the sweating. There's typically an ingredient that's added into the product that tries to stop the sweating. Some people don't like having an antiperspirant. Cool, that's your choice. You can even look at research to see, okay, is this what's healthy for my body? Talk to your medical professional. Some people don't even like deodorant. Cool, don't need to use it. If you choose not to wear these products, that's okay. What's recommended though, is make sure that you're cleaning at least the armpit area on a regular basis, which is daily and after you do any kind of physical movement. For these products, if you do buy something that's called deodorant or antiperspirant, they go in your armpit area. And it goes just in that, like when you pick up your arm as if you're waving to someone, just in that area that will be right where the arm meets the body. You don't usually use these products on your feet, yet there are products that are sold out there to limit the smell of feet and other body parts. I've seen an increase of deodorant for even the genitals. I personally don't agree to them because if we cleanse our body regularly, that will be enough. If we're noticing that we're having more of a not so nice smell, we talk to our medical professional to see maybe we have an infection or maybe we're eating foods that don't align with our body. Another thing is your clothes that you're wearing. If you don't wash them regularly, you might notice that your clothing is retaining some of that not so nice smell. So attempt to clean your clothing regularly. Now, another thing that happens as we're going through puberty is we experience more hair growth in body parts that didn't have noticeable hair as much, or the hair that we noticed gets a little darker and longer. Where we can grow hair will depend upon who we are. When you'll grow hair, when you're the ages between 11 and 12, typically more hair growth happens then, yet it can happen as early as eight years old. How much you'll grow and what's natural will depend upon who you are. Certain people genetically will get more hair growth on their body during puberty. Other people don't. I've had some students that say that they're trying to grow a beard and a mustache and they just can't, or they just get a little hair here or there. That's okay. That's your body. Typically people that have more testosterone, which would mean those that identify as a biological male, they're going to have more hair that we see because that means that they can get more hair, more in their whole entire leg, chest area, the abdomen, the, the back. They can get a beard and a mustache. 
those that are biologically a female get hair that can get darker hair on their arms, but we get hair in our armpit area and then our lower legs. And then everybody gets hair in their pubic area. So again, it goes with your genetics, although biological males seem to have more hair overall. Side note, because I was reminded of this by a guest that sometimes those that are biological female can get hair on their face and it might happen as they age. It might be a genetic thing where they have darker hair underneath their nose or by like the sideburn area. That's okay. I'm so glad we're living in a time in which we're embracing the differences between us all. Now, kids often ask, why do I get hair in the armpit area? And that's because your hormones are being released. And there's a thought that sometimes that hair will actually absorb some of the sweat that we seem to release as we go through puberty. So there's an increase in sweat in that area and that hair can help with that release of the sweat. Now for pubic hair, there's a lot of different theories for why we get it. There's the theory of, well, it helps keep germs away from the openings of our urethra. Everybody has a urethra and that's what helps urine come out of the body so that the hair would help keep germs out of the urethra, also out of the anal area, although we do have germs that come out of that area, but also the vulva area. Those that are biological females, we don't want unhealthy germs to go into that area. So the the theory is that the hair can help keep some of those germs away from the openings. There's also the thought that the pubic hair releases a type of hormone that deals with attractiveness. So it's called pheromones. And other body hair is sometimes thought to also release these pheromones. There's also the thought that it keeps us warm. If you think back to cave people time, they didn't have underwear that they were wearing. They had more covering to keep them protected and warm, but not underwear, like what we're wearing in the year 2022. Now, some fun facts about pubic hair, because a lot of kids are curious about this as well as adults. So the color of pubic hair, it may or may not match the color of the hair on different body parts. There's that saying of, uh, does the carpet match the drapes? If you've ever heard that said in a show, that means does the pubic hair match the hair on the other parts of the body, including the head? It does not have to match them. It could be totally different shades of a color. It could be totally different colors. And Just like eyelashes, the pubic hair sheds. If I say it in that way, it sheds first, it has to grow. It then rests after its growth, and then it reaches its natural length, and it actually naturally shed. So it's going to be replaced by other hairs or hair in the area. The trimming of pubic hair, that's up to the individual. The trimming or removal, I should say. And then sometimes kids ask about the length of pubic hair. And that will depend. Usually pubic hair grows between a half of an inch to one and a half inches. So that all depends upon your genetics. Now, talking about hair growth usually allows children to ask questions about shaving. 
First, you don't have to shave. You don't have to remove any body hair that grows. That is a personal decision. And sometimes the personal decision is impacted by the cultural influences around you. So you might be living in a culture or have a religion that supports or doesn't support certain habits. If you choose to remove the hair, shaving is a common way that remove we remove certain hairs like the facial hair, lower leg. I ask, I beg, I plead, please actually demonstrate for young people how to do that. You can even have a shaver be provided to them that doesn't have an actual sharp part to it, doesn't have the razor there in which they can practice. We want children to be taught how to do shaving if that's going to be allowed, because we want them to see there's different ways to shave depending upon what hair you're shaving. And just in case they nick themselves or they get a a severe cut, like they know how to resolve that. And if it's a deep cut because of a razor, we want them to go and get the medical help that they deserve to get. Sometimes kids will ask the question of, well, should I wax? Typically, a lot of young people first learn how to shave to remove body hair. Waxing, again, is a personal choice, and waxing requires understanding and a little bit of strength regarding that your hair is going to be ripped out at the at the base. So it's not going to necessarily be a pleasant feeling at first. Some people acclimate to it, but again, it's a personal choice. Now, for some reason, when we talk about hair, some children ask about Say if I go bald as a child, it's not common, but there are some children that have alopecia in which they don't have a thick layer of hair on their head, or they don't, they have minimal hair on their head. And if they have alopecia, they usually go to a medical professional and they try to figure out what can be done to stop that from happening, like to Instead, they try to do things to encourage hair growth. It's not that common yet. It does happen because I've had students that have this and it's okay. It just means that they have something going on with the hair of their body and they can talk to a medical professional about it. Again, in 2022, we're embracing more of the differences between us, which is wonderful because we are all different. And honestly, why would we want to all be the same? It would be so boring if our bodies were all the same and we acted all the same. It's really neat that we can be who we are. Another thing that happens during puberty is acne or pimples. Tomato, tomato to me, I know a dermatologist could define things differently, but basically there are these bumps that go onto our skin. It's basically pores on the skin that get clogged. And pimples are typically a slang term for acne. So as we're going through puberty, we have these sebaceous glands that get more active. Our pores open up a little bit. And if the pores get clogged, it pushes some of that dirt and oils to the surface of the skin. And it can appear as a bump, different colors. Where children can get pimples is anywhere on their body, but it's more common on the face. I mean, we see that on the face. It can be on the back, on the chest. How we prevent pimples? Well, we wash our face regularly. 
with soap and water. And we attempt not to touch her face during the day. Like sometimes I know that a child can be bored in a class and they put their head like on the, the chin area on their, on their palm. And as they do that, the fingers touch the face. Typically during school, we don't wash our hands a lot unless we're at a sink, we're in the bathroom. So if we're touching our face, that increases the chances of more dirt being on the face. And when our pores are open, that puts the dirt into the pores, which increases the chance of pimples. So long story shorter here is try not to touch your face. There are some people that say, well, don't eat a lot of sweets. Basically, we know that the healthier you eat, all of your body parts are healthier. And that would be too, that your skin is even healthier. So attempt to eat certain foods in moderation. Another thing, if you're a, a person that wears a baseball cap, you sometimes get pimples in that forehead area. So what we recommend is that you wash the hats regularly so they can be clean if you're going to be wearing them. Now, I've been asked, does stress cause pimples? What's really interesting is that when we're stressed, and certainly everyone is stressed. I mean, that's part of life. We have things that happen. Stress is the demand placed upon us, which can be a physical, mental, emotional, social, spiritual, et cetera, type of demand. We all have stress. I mean, from our first breath when we're born to when we go to school and we're in a new environment to being challenged in math class or science, you know, all of these are stressors. But when we're distressed, that means we have a stressor that we don't like, or we're not used to, or we have so much going on. What usually happens is that when we're under distress, we have an increase in cortisol. And cortisol, that's one of the stress hormones. What that can do is work with the other hormones. And because of cortisol, we might have oilier, more oilier skin or a decrease way of fighting against pimples because it deals with their immune system, if you look at it like that. So this whole question of does stress cause pimples? Well, everybody has stress. But sometimes when you're under distress, there might be a more probability, an increased probability, if you're prone to get pimples. I'm hoping I'm answering that question okay for you. Certainly eat better, get your sleep, do breathing exercises, do physical exercises, talk when your feelings are hurt. All those things actually help us with distress, which can then lower our cortisol levels. Now, how do we get rid of acne? or pimples. Wash your face regularly. And that means for young people twice or three times a day, unless they're more physically active, and then you can do it more, but we don't want to dry out our skin too much. We do want to use a soap or other product that's healthy for our skin. Not usually a perfume type of product that goes on the skin. I know there's like a lot of different myths about how to get rid of pimples. I don't encourage young people to pop a pimple. I think that's an unhealthy habit because you don't know if they're going to leave a scar depending upon the type of pimple. But I highly recommend if a child has an issue with a lot of acne or acne in a certain part of the body or bigger pimples overall, that they talk with a medical professional like a dermatologist in which I actually had a dermatologist on in the spring of 2021 who talked about just different habits for a healthier skin. Now, other physical things that children get curious about include the voice changes. 
What's really neat about that is that everyone can have a change in voice. It's more noticeable with biological male that have more testosterone because it's like the vocal cords stretch out and the, the voice box gets longer, which creates the voice changes. The other things that children get curious about is this whole thing about reproduction. Yes, as we're going through puberty, most of us will be able to either create or have a release of sperm or egg. And because of that, that means that we potentially will be able to reproduce. So we need to talk about two young people about this ability. It's a really neat ability that our bodies can do and to respect that ability. Now, other changes. Stepping away from the physical changes, other changes that occur include emotional changes. And that is that children might have more moods. They might feel a little moodier. And I know working at the middle school, I would see some students at in the morning, they might be grumpy. And then a couple of hours later, they'd be like, hi, saying hi and happy in the hallway and then get angry a couple of hours later and then not want to talk. And this is not bad. This is part of their growth. They're trying to figure out their moods because these hormones are being released so much that it's going to alter their feelings. It's going to, it's a physical thing that's going on. So as your child's hormone levels and lives are changing, we have to recognize that they might have mood swings. Now, just because they might have a variety of moods and they might be more exasperated, if I use that term. Uh, In other words, they might be more apparent. That doesn't mean they can be unkind to others. They are allowed to have their feelings, yet how they cope with their feelings, we need to help them with. In which we have other episodes of the Puberty Prof podcast that go over some of these emotional changes and how we can cope. And another little side note is that when children are going through puberty, Some children will be very happy. They're very excited that their bodies are changing into this adult-like form. Others are scared. They're like, I don't like what's going on. I don't know what's going on, which is why we want to talk with children. Others are angry because they really don't want to grow up or they don't understand what's happening or they might be sleepier. So everybody is different and their moods can also change as they're going through this, this puberty time of their life. Another type of change that happens is mental. And if you look at mental health as this decision-making process, this is like emotional health deals with the feelings. Okay, we have these feelings. Mental health is how do we cope with these feelings? And which as a child ages and they mature, they're going to make more decisions on their own. They're supposed to be doing this or getting more independent. And this is where we teach young people that you have more control over your choices than your consequences. And this aspect of growing up is also discussed in other episodes, episodes before this one, as well as after. And we think about it too, as children are getting older, even that transition from elementary to middle school or junior high, there is more decision-making. They have more choices. They have more social connections, which is going to increase their decision-making. So we want them to have the skills. We want children to have the skills to best make the best decisions for themselves. In which another change, like I just said, there's going to be more social things going on. 
as children age, you know, first they're, they're dependent upon the adults that are raising them. And even as they go to school, they have the teachers that are there. Yet they're also aware of quote unquote friends and peers. And they get more dependent upon these people in a way in which they're, they're looking to have these social connections. That's a natural process. And sometimes during this adolescent time or pre-adolescent time, some children might seem to not want to hang out as much with family members. It's a natural thing that does happen. Doesn't mean that our feelings can't be hurt, but it's natural for children to try to figure out who they want to hang out with or even to have alone time, which alone time is okay. As long as they're contemplating, you know, and trying to figure out who they are. Certainly, if you're seeing some unhealthy habits, connect with somebody at the school. There's a school counselor, a social worker that can best support your your needs as well as your child's. These social aspects are also being discussed in other episodes of the Puberty Prof podcast. Another social thing is you might see some crushes that are changing. Like I know I had a crush well, okay, a couple of crushes when I was in elementary school, but they seemed to be a little bit more intense as I was going through middle school and adolescence. And that's the same for younger people in which the kid that they used to sit next to in first grade that used to maybe annoy them or they didn't want to be by them now looks a little bit different. Maybe they're looking at them in a more crushed type of way that their heart is like, oh, they're a cutie patootie. And that's okay. That's part of growing up too. One last thing I want to raise in this episode is the spiritual changes that sometimes children will have. Certainly, we as parents and other caregivers, we're we're attempting to provide strong values to our children, to these young people. As children age, they can question some of these values. It's part of them developing who they are and that questioning, it actually can strengthen the values that you're raising them in. So if they do ask questions about why do we do this? Why do we not do that? Have conversations with your child to talk about why you do certain things or why you believe certain things. This aspect of growing up is also being discussed in other episodes of the Puberty Prof podcast. So I just went over a lot of information and I'll summarize here, but remember you can listen to episode three with Jen All, which We had a conversation about these changes. Yet to summarize here is that there are a variety of changes that young people experience during puberty. Those are the physical changes and adolescence is that time that they go from being a kid to being a teen. Changes include the physical ones like the overall body size that increases, body parts maturing, having hair growth in different areas or it's darker. Uh, having pimples slash acne, experiencing more emotional things, including moodiness, more of a range of emotions, mental health changes in which they're getting more independent because we do want children to have an increase of responsibility as they age. We're not expecting them to live with us forever, typically, typically. So that means they're also going to be making a lot more decisions on their own which means there'll also be social changes like who they want to hang out with and their crushes. And then also spiritual changes or questions in which they're questioning you about values and beliefs. And remember, 
listen to this podcast series. You know, there's a whole bunch of episodes to help you talk with your young people about the changes they're experiencing during that time. I mean, if it's starting to happen at age eight, great. Start talking to them there. Although you can talk with them earlier because this whole thing of puberty and growing up is part of life. And episodes will refer to a variety of things that young people typically have to handle, including like a mental health diagnosis. And some other reminders is that when you listen to this episode or others, note like what you want to talk to your children about, you know, like, oh yeah, I do want to talk to them about some of the social aspects and maybe what you went through and some of the challenges like your BFF, your best friends forever was not your best friend anymore. Consider checking out the Talk Puberty app in which that's the app that has different sections, including questions that refer to changes that most children go through, questions that pertain to things that most girls go through or most boys go through. And there's age and developmentally appropriate answers provided. And then there's the open-ended questions. I love open-ended questions because there's no right or wrong answers. It helps have talks, discussions. And then if you want more details for what children will ask, check out the Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty book that I wrote, and it won the Mom's Choice Award. So I thank you for listening in today. If you'd like to contact me, Dr. Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof, please go to lauriereichel.com or pubertyprof.com. You can follow me on Twitter at pubertyprof or on Facebook at pubertyprof. You can send me a question at pubertyprof at gmail. As always, I, I want you as adults to do what's best for your children and have these conversations with them to help them be happy and healthy people. And I also want you to be happy and healthy. You deserve to be. Some days can get really challenging and you deserve to be happy and healthy. So thank you for listening in today. And I do hope that you have a happy and healthy day. Thank you for listening to the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow the Puberty Prof on Twitter or Instagram. The Puberty Prof, Lori Reichel, wants to hear from you. Go to pubertyprof.com or click on the link in this episode's description. There you can find more information, as well as ask questions to be answered by the Puberty Prof in a future episode. That's pubertyprof.com. Also, remember to check out the Talk Puberty app and the book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty. Until next time, this is the Puberty Prof Podcast where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics.